Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Breaking free in 23, that is our motto for this year. And part of that means walking through an open door and not looking back. Because whatever is back there is done. We as human beings sometimes have a tendency to want to turn around and look back. Maybe it was better back there. There's a wonderful story in Genesis about Lot's wife looking back and being turned into a pillar of salt. She was crystallized by a vision of the past and could not move forward. But we are not that sort of people. We are opening doors, going forward, breaking free in 23. There's a line in the pastoral letter of James that says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. And she that keeps the law, happy is she. And they that keep the law, happy are they. There is an orderly unfoldment of a vision in the world and in your life. And when you understand the steps, you can cooperate with that vision to bring it into manifestation with ease and grace. Breaking free in 23, we have a plan. And our plan is to learn the life visioning process as put forward by Reverend Michael Beckwith in his book entitled Life Visioning. Copies are available for purchase in the atrium if you would like to have one. We also have a Thursday night class that closes this week if you would like to join. So we started our series last week, and I wanted to highlight the difference between two terms we often use in Unity and New Thought Circles, visualization and visioning. They sound alike, they mean similar things, but they are ultimately different processes. With the visualization process, we use a lot of our faculty of imagination. We can imagine anything. We can visualize anything. You know, it kind of reminds me of Willy Wonka. It's like the Willy Wonka of spiritual faculties. Remember from the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Factory? I'm getting excited because it has chocolate in it. He says, come with me, sing along, and we'll see a world of pure imagination. Well, that's great. We can imagine anything and everything. That doesn't necessarily mean that we should aspire to have or be or do the thing we can't imagine. It just means we have this wonderful capacity to visualize anything. You know, we sometimes say whatever we can conceive and believe we can achieve. That's great. The question for us is, is that really wise? I mean, because I can imagine a lot of things that are not very smart, In fact, I've done a lot of things that are not very smart because I imagined them and I could conceive it and believed it and then I did it. It's like, that's stupid. Um, Well, let me rephrase it. That's a very painful way to learn important life lessons. That's what I really meant to say. The visioning process works a little differently. It is a meditative process that has some steps that we will all learn by the end of the series. And this is week two of six, but we want to be sure that we understand them. The visioning process is predicated upon our faculty of intuition, the divine ideas that we call in unity understanding. 
and coupled those with faith to go within, to really listen, to discern, to intuit, to feel, to come to know, however intuition happens for you, a vision for our life or for a particular area of our life. And that means sitting, literally sitting with it. It's a meditation. We can do a walking meditation. That works too. And really leaning in, not just saying, I can conceive it, I can be it, I can do it. You know, part of what happens with a visualization process is we see what other people have and what they're doing and what they're being successful at attaining and think, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. And it may or may not be the best or highest good for us. I shared last week that I've been in many classes where we did goal setting and write out our goals and figure everything out that we want to have happen. And I got really mixed results. Yeah, some stuff happened, some didn't. I'm like, why is that? The why for me, at least as of today, is they weren't really mine to do. They were good. Their ideas are things I could do, but really didn't resonate with me, didn't resonate with my being. Who have I come here to be? What have I come here to do? And what are the things I would, could, should have in order to assist my being in doing? You follow me? It doesn't mean visualization is bad and goal setting is bad. It's not. These are absolutely imperative tools that will get integrated into the, visual, the visioning process. It's difficult the words are so similar. It's like the congregation down the street. They have a very similar name to ours. <laughs> but they're fundamentally separate processes. I want to tell you, uh, give you a little caution with the process, though, because it is very profound, and uh, I want to share with you an experience of how I worked it and what happened, and then we'll get into the nuts and bolts and what's the preparation involved. So there's this wonderful visioning process. Michael Beckwith explains it in the book. We're teaching it in our Thursday night class, and I, and I said to myself, well, if I'm to facilitate this class, I need to like, really work the process. <clears throat> So a little bit about uh, how I get around in the world. I am very blessed with an 18-year-old Honda. It's, it's a great car. It's reliable. It's paid for. The insurance is cheap. As a matter of fact, 10 years ago when we moved here from Florida, I was calling to change the insurance. And the agent said to me, well, Mr. Highland, you will be very happy to know that there is at least and maybe only one thing that costs less here than in Florida. And I said, what's that? She goes, car insurance. It's going to go down about half. And sure enough, it did. So, yeah, so that's a win. We were excited about that. So I've got this wonderful Honda. It runs. It pays. It's paid for. It gets good gas mileage, low emissions vehicles, just all the things that, that I, I treasure. However, did I mention my car is 18 years old? So as I'm thinking that I need to get a new car. So we went to the Washington Auto Show a couple weeks ago. And we're walking around looking at these great cars, including the $4 million Bugatti. I was like, yeah, I don't think that's really going to be it. And I'm trying to get some ideas of what might be the ideal car. So I thought, ah, I'm going to work the process. This is a good, tangible example. Not too terribly personal. I can talk about it with everybody. So I'm working all the steps. I'm doing everything right. And I thought, oh, Sheesh, I'm starting to overthink it. Do, do I want a hybrid? Do I want a gas-powered car? Do I want an electric? Do I want a battery-powered? Do I want a solar-powered? There isn't one yet that would be feasible. Do I really? Maybe that Bugatti really is for me. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of sweet. If you're into cars, it's kind of like the deal. 
And I thought, well, do I, do I just do a, ask what's my highest vision for my car? It's like, well, that sounds, that sounds kind of materialistic. And I like to be lofty in my visioning, but forgetting sometimes we live in the tangible world and you just need to be specific. So I, I got it. I'm smart. So I said to myself, I'm going to do a visioning for what is my highest vision for transportation. I thought, okay. I'm just going all in. And so I worked the process. And two things, I was surprised. Because one of the things with the visioning process, there's no judgment. You know, you can't just tell the intuition within you what your ego mind wants. It's just a matter of listening. So you ask a question, you're going to get an answer, right? So (laughs) ask the right question. So that was my question. And the answers that came to me, two of them, very important one new shoe inserts, and tune up my bicycle. (laughs) What? Are you kidding me? Is that how this was going down? Is this how this works? I got the answer to the question I asked. Now, perhaps I should do the exercise again with the car. But what was amazing for me and what was important and vital for me is those are two things that talk to how my physical body moves in the world. No fossil fuels involved, calorie expending, but things that are very important. I do wear shoe inserts. I have issues. I have wonderful opportunities with my feet. I need to tend to that. But the universe was saying to me, it's time. These things are old. Get some updated shoe inserts so you can keep walking, so you can push your bicycle to the shop to get it tuned up. (laughs) And I love to ride my bike. And unfortunately, last year, for whatever reason, didn't go in any of the epic rides that I want. So that's something I value. So when I think about, so when I think back to what would I really have, what is the highest vision for my life, a larger question we get into in this process, a lot of it has to do with physical well-being and taking care of this, all of this. Because I want this to last and be as healthy as it possibly can for as long as it can. I want to make sure that I can get around the world. I can show up and be me in the best possible way. And that's more important than a car. Because I already have a car. The intuition was saying, Russell, take care of your body. Okay. See, I I was thinking I would get something else out of this visioning process. But what emerged was something far more important. Me. So you never know what's going to happen when you do a visioning process. It is simply an acknowledgement of that divine idea of wisdom is alive within us. And accessing it and moving forward. Well, in this visioning process, there are two preparatory steps, and that's what I want to address today. And we'll give you the final steps, and we'll get more into them next week. Two preparatory steps to this process. It's a meditative process. So number one, relax. Relax. Bowman invited us to take a deep breath. Relax. So this is what we do. You all know that. Second step is invoke the divine idea of love. That's very interesting. In his material, Beckwith talks a lot about the importance of grounding yourself in the divine idea of love. 
Charles Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement, said, the development of divine love has its place in demonstrating supply. When love is established in the consciousness, it will draw to us all that we require to make us happy and contented, all that really belongs to us. Elsewhere, he talks about love being a magnet. And think about it. If you are, think about the most loving person you know in the world. Do you desire to be near them or away from them? It's just that simple. Love is a magnet. Think about the kindest people you know, the most generous people you know. There is an, an energy that they are exuding that conversely attracts things to them. It's kind of like law of attraction, but more than that, it's really about being an open channel for good. Sharing love, giving love, because the people who are most loving often are the ones who are most willing to receive love. We're wanting to create this experience and this vibration of being love in action. It's one of our core values here at Unity of Fairfax. You can also look at this situation from the converse. When you're feeling bitter, if you know bitter people or angry people, do you really want to hang out with them? Do you really want to sit there with somebody who's always finding fault? I mean, and if you're always finding fault and picking out what's wrong, how often do, do you notice that you have a lot of company saying, ah, oh, yeah, I want to go hang with you. You're going to just sit there and complain about the world and everything that's wrong and bad. Well, like energy attracts like. But if you want to attract the best that life has to offer, center yourself in the idea of divine love. So how does that happen? So if you're sitting there and you're in your meditation space, or if you're walking in the labyrinth and you're doing it, you know, doing your meditation that way, or if you're riding your bike and doing your meditation, ponder things that you love, people that you love. How do you feel when you are around them? Foods that you love. How do you feel when you smell them? Places that you love. How do you feel when you are in that place? Whether it's your favorite recliner or the beach or in the mountains or wherever it happens to be. And don't so much think about then the thing itself that is the instigator for this feeling of love. Get into what it feels like when you have that love space. What is that like? Is your heart fluttering? Do you feel peaceful? Do you feel calm? Do you notice a smile? Do your shoulders droop? Do you feel alive? That's what we want to get into, that feeling space. What does love feel like? It's a magnet. And the more you consciously get in that space, even if you don't sit there and do the rest of the meditation's process, then think about what, how would your day be different if you took a moment or two now and again to just feel what love feels like, to bring it to mind. Ugh, it just makes everything better. And it might necessitate turning off your phone or your computer. So the question that's the subject of today's talk and we're about to wrap up, is what's in the box? Because I, I will share again another personal story. I don't have a, a real strong sense function. It's like doing things with my hands. 
it's kind of humorous. Eh, what are these things for? I'd, I'd rather talk about and theorize about something, but actually do it. I don't know. It's not really my, my thing. That's other people's thing. Anybody ever buy any furniture from Ikea? <laughs> or uh, or a, a kit, a, do models or that sort of thing. So you get the box, but you got to make sure you've got all the parts. And I was thinking about this because from 1908, I think it was, to 1940, you could order a house from the Sears and Roebuck catalog. I kid you not, the house would be delivered in a rail car. And so I can only imagine what it must have been like laying out all the parts and pieces for a three-bedroom house. That makes putting together the, the, the Swedish piece of furniture seem like child's play. So what I have to do before I'm going to put something together is get into that love space. Because if I just go into that process without settling down, without centering, without getting my head in the right place, then I'm going to bring all my angst and anxieties about my sensate function into the experience and start shaking. You know, it's almost like when I'm going to cook something, and I do this on occasion, actually. I have to lay out everything. I have to get everything laid out. I can't just start doing it. I've got to make sure I've got everything laid out because that way it eases my anxiety, and I know I'll be able to put together the meal or put together the shelf, or put together the house. So we have to begin with the right attitude. That's what I'm saying. In any visioning, whether you're making your financial plan, whether we're looking here at the board level about what things we're going to do with the church, it is important, and we do this, that we get into that feeling of love. Love attracts the good. You with me? So next week, we'll look at the steps that are involved, and there are several of them. They're on the slide. Question for the visioning process is always, what's the highest vision for my life? If you go big, that's the biggie. Or what's the highest vision for my transportation? Or perhaps my car, my relationship, my career, my finances, my garden, Fill in anything. You're asking what's the highest vision. Secondly, what must I release in order to in live this vision? Sometimes we have attitudes, beliefs, behaviors that are not serving us, that we'll realize this is my highest vision, but the thing I'm thinking, saying, and doing prevents me from getting to where this vision. We'll talk about the release process. Then there's the question, what must I embrace or embody or become? However you want to language that in order to live this vision. Maybe I have to be different than I have been before. Oh, God, no, not that, anything but that. Maybe there's some way of being that needs to change self-identification, self-perception. We're going to talk about that step. What skills or talents or qualities do I already have? Because here's the thing. We are all far more powerful than we realize. And if this vision up here has somehow been given to us in any area of our life, rest assured, you're probably nine-tenths of the way already there and may not realize it. All of us have skills and talents and abilities. Yes, even my sensate function, such as it is, are already there seeking to be developed. I already have it. 
whatever emerges for you, you're almost there already. That's the great news. And then what must, what else do I need to be know? Do I need to know at this time? What else is going on? What questions have I not asked that I need the information for? It's grammatically not correct, but it works. And when we do this process, we always keep a pen and paper handy and write. It's one of the few meditative processes, processes where you are invited to step out, write something down, step back in. You can do that. We break the rules around here because what rules from rules. And then lastly, we always give thanks. When this high vision is given, it's given with the understanding it's really already done. It's done in consciousness. We just need you to do a few things to bring it to pass. Or you might say, awaken to what is possible. Because this highest vision is for you. This highest vision is you. And it might be something relatively small, like tune up your bike and get some shoe inserts. It could easily be something considerably larger. The important thing is that it is a process and that you choose to work the process. Or as they say in some circles, you choose to work the steps because you're worth it. The world is a better place when all of us know our value and are willing to share the fullness of who we are. Then we realize that we are the gift. We are the one we've been waiting for. And absolutely nothing can be impossible to us. So your homework this week, practice leaning into the feeling of love. When you have a moment or two, think about some place you love, some person you love, something you love to do, and just feel the feeling. And I guarantee you that this week you will notice good coming into your life that you may not have noticed. It's probably already been there. You just didn't notice it. You will notice opportunities you didn't see before. And you will feel a sense of peacefulness that at this stage in life, in our collective experience, we can all use. Peace be with you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate your donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.